0: I don't know if you've ever mucked around with Google Earth on your computer. I'm guessing lots of us have. It's pretty amazing. It actually allows you to see on your computer all over the world. And so uh, when you first open it up, uh, it begins with a picture of the Earth, and then you type in somewhere where you want to see, and it takes you there. And I can pretty much guarantee that my first use of Google Earth was the same as your first use. So let me show you. There it is. Hands up if that's the first time the first thing you did on Google Earth. Yes, I thought so. It's partly self-absorption. <laughs> but I think partly too it's wanting to see where we fit into the big picture. Okay, there's the whole earth. But where's my place in it? Where do I fit? Where's my place? I think that's a fair enough question. I think that something similar happens in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14, our passage tonight. Our verses tonight are really like a Google Earth zoom in. We've been spending the last month or so enjoying the whole of the chapter, really, or the first 14 verses. We've been calling it a catalogue of blessing. It's a catalogue of spiritual blessing that we enjoy if we belong to Christ, the blessings of election, and adoption and redemption, and last week we considered the blessing of God, having made known to us His big plan for all of creation. In in terms of big pictures, okay, it doesn't really get any bigger. You can see it just to remind you. You can see it stated at the end there of verse ten, the end of verse ten. Can you see it? He says there to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, Christ. That is a big picture of a big. Plan. It's a plan that literally encompasses and includes every single thing. We thought about it last time. It's a grand plan. It's a massive plan. And we considered last time the blessing of God revealing it to us. But there's a real sense, you know, that in our verses tonight, the last page of the catalogue of blessing, these verses are a bit like a Google Earth zoom in. Because from the massive picture, Of verse 10 and God's grand plan the apostle almost zooms in to show us where we are in it to show us our place in the grand plan and in a word the blessing that Paul shows us tonight is inheritance that's our focus tonight the blessing of inheritance so make sure you got your Bible open at Ephesians chapter 1 if you can There's an outline of the talk on the inside of that bulletin. Let me pray and ask for God's help that we might appreciate truly uh, our place in his plan. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this passage once more, a passage we've been spending lots of time in, Father, a passage with great truths and massive truths. And again, Father, tonight we ask that you'd help us to understand what you say and appreciate what you say And respond rightly to what you say. It's in Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. Point one on your outline. And I want you to jump in with me at verse 13. Verse 13. Let me read it for us. Verse 13. We read there. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. It's a great sentence. It's a great sentence there in verse 13. Included. In Christ, We all love to be included, don't we? No one much likes to be excluded. We love to be included, but to be included in Christ, well, that's an extraordinary thing. Because, you see, all of the blessings that we've been pondering and delighting in through this catalogue, all of those blessings, they are only enjoyed in Christ. They are only enjoyed by someone who belongs to Christ. They're not enjoyed... In anywhere else, only in Christ. And so there in verse 13, Paul reminds his readers when they heard the gospel and when they believed the gospel, they were included in Christ. It's a great sentence. But let me tell you, you actually need to notice two small words in that sentence to appreciate something even greater about the sentence. Have a look at it with me. He says, and you also were included in Christ. It's those two words, you and also, that are the important ones to help us actually appreciate how great that sentence is. We won't really appreciate it fully unless we grab the you and the also. And to help us, what he means by that, to help us, who are the you and why does he say also, we need to glance back at verses 11 and 12. So have a look at those with me, 11 and 12. In those verses, okay, Paul talks about we who were the first to hope in Christ, there in verse 12. Can you see it? We who were the first to hope in Christ. The we is Paul and his fellow Jewish Christians. They were the first to hope in Christ, the disciples of Jesus, the apostles of Jesus, and those among the Jews who first turned to Christ. They were converted on the day of Pentecost, and through the events of the book of of Acts, they were the first But as we thought about last time, remember, God is bringing all things on earth under Christ, even Jew and Gentile. And even though we Gentiles here in Dubbo, even though we are not physically part of the descendants of Abraham, even though we are separate from the promises of God, remember last time we thought about it, in Christ Jesus, even those who are once far away can be brought near through the blood of Christ. And so in verse 13, Paul writes... To those who are Gentiles, Gentiles like us who are not Jewish and says, hey, this is all not just for the Jews. Verse 13, you also, you Gentiles also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. It's a great blessing. It is a great blessing in the gospel of Jesus. Even we who were once far away, even we can be brought near. It's through belief in the word of truth. It's through belief in the gospel of salvation. I reckon it's expressed really wonderfully over in chapter 2 and verse 17. You might want to glance at it with me. Chapter 2 and verse 17. We read there, chapter 2 verse 17, we read, He, that's Jesus, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father By one spirit. It's great. We who have no physical claim on the promises of God. Even we can be included in Christ. The Jewish Messiah. We are adopted into the family. We are redeemed from our sin. Our sins are forgiven. That is the gospel of peace. That was first preached by Christ. And secured by Christ. Through his saving death. On our behalf. Christ died. For Jew and Gentile. Christ died in our place, bearing our sin, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. And, folks, let me tell you if you're here tonight and you are someone who is looking in at Jesus, someone who is seeking spiritual truth, we're really glad you're here tonight and there could be no more important quest to be on than that. And, can I ask, Please consider carefully the message of the gospel of Christ Jesus, because it is a message of peace. It is a message of peace between you and God. It's a message of forgiveness. It is a message of blessing, but it's a message that must be heard and believed. It's a message that must be trusted and acted upon. The peace and the forgiveness... And the blessing that it promises, they are only enjoyed by those who hear the gospel and believe it. Because it's only through hearing and believing, it's only through hearing and believing that someone is included in Christ. And it's only in Christ that the blessings can be enjoyed. And friends, if you have heard it and have believed it, as I know many of you have, then we need to share it, don't we? We need to share that message. If the only way to be included in Christ and these incredible blessings is to hear the gospel and to believe it, we need to share it. Because how could people possibly hear it and believe it if we don't tell it? And later on in the letter, in chapter 6, you don't have to look at it now, but later on in chapter 6, Paul describes Christians as having their feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Feast, feet fitted with readiness. It's part of this bigger soldier imagery that's, that's happening in chapter 6. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. 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 We bring the image forward in time, okay, and it's like we're on constant standby. We are God's rapid deployment battalion. Our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And our world, you know, our city, our town desperately needs the peace that only belief in the gospel can bring. Our friends, our family need that peace. So we need to speak it. We need to share it. We need to discuss it. Out there, okay? Out there, not just in here. We've got to stop sitting on our hands. We've got to stop making lame excuses. We've got to share it. Our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. From the big picture last week, okay, of God bringing all things in heaven and on earth together under Christ, Paul zoomed in. Even we who are Gentiles, even we Gentiles who live in Dubbo, even we can be included in Christ. And we were included in Christ. Christ. And we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and we believed it. But hey, Paul hasn't finished zooming, okay? It's about to become even more up close and personal. And we can see that as we keep on reading into verse 13. So point two on your outline and verse 13. Let me read. He says, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, in my scripture classes each year the, the first lesson's always pretty exciting. Lots of new things. It's always great though to hand out our brand new scripture books. They smell new you know they, they feel new and they're really glossy and colourful. If you haven't seen them they look terrific. And the first thing I tell the students to do as soon as they get their book is write your name on it. Teachers know or ahead of time. Write your name on it right now. Write your name on it. And you know what? Two really important things happen as, that, as they do that. Firstly, I now know who the book belongs to. But as they write their name on that book, that book from just this faceless pile of books, that book is now their book. It's theirs. It's not like a library book anymore. It's not a textbook. It's their book because they can write on it and they can write their name on it. And their name is like a seal of ownership. It's a seal of possession. And you know what? When someone believes the word of truth, when someone believes the gospel of salvation, God takes that person and marks that person with a seal. He writes his name on them. They are now his. It's a seal of ownership. It's a seal of possession. That person is God's. And you know what? The seal is uh, nothing so impersonal as a scrawled name in texta. The seal is God's Holy Spirit himself. It's incredible. Somewhere else, the Apostle Paul expresses it like this. He says, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he's given us, Romans 5. Jesus described the gift of the Holy Spirit as he and the Father coming to make their home with you. Jesus says when the Spirit comes, it's it's the Father and me coming to make our home with you. It doesn't get any more personal than that. It could not get any more personal than that. It is the Spirit, you see, who seals us as individuals within God's great plan. It's the presence of the spirit in someone's life that marks out the fact, the incredible fact, that we each personally have been included graciously and and favorably within God's plan for all of creation. He's the spirit of adoption. Remember chapter 2, verse 18? It's the one spirit that both Jew and Gentiles, it's through him they enjoy access to the Father through the Son. We were included in Christ, okay, when we heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and having believed, we were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Of course, it hasn't all happened yet. God's plan is moving forward toward that moment when the times will have reached their fulfilment. God's plan is moving forward to that last day. And the Spirit now is our seal, our guarantee for that final day. And the word, the word the apostle uses in verse 14 is deposit. Point through on your outline. Have a look at verse 14 with me. Verse 14, he says, The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. I don't know if you've got an inheritance lined up. I don't know if you've got an inheritance to pass on to your children. I don't. Um, (laughs) But I don't know whether you've got an inheritance lined up for yourself. But you know what? As God's people, as God's children, every single one of us has an inheritance that is bigger and better than any inheritance you could ever have here on this earth. We are God's heirs. And our inheritance will be glorious indeed. So glorious, okay? So glorious is our future inheritance that we actually need God's help to appreciate it and to long for it now. It's that big. It's that great. That's why in chapter 1 and verse 18, the apostle prays for these Ephesian Christians. You know what he prays? He prays for them that, verse 18, he prays for them that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Our inheritance, you see, as the children of God, is so rich in glory, it's so great that we couldn't possibly appreciate it without God's powerful help. It is surpassingly wonderful. It is unimaginably great. And when the times will have reached their fulfillment, Jesus Will return and sin and evil and death will be finally banished, no more. There'll be not even a memory of them. There'll be no more sickness, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. We cannot imagine how great that future will be because our imaginations now are so limited by sin. And you know what? The Bible, whenever it seeks to describe our inheritance, it always has to resort to imagery, to really colourful language because only imagery, only colourful language can go even some way to capturing the splendour of that future. And I want to read just a couple of examples of that imagery for you just because I want us to, I want God even now, right now, to enlighten our eyes, the eyes of our heart, to the riches of that glorious inheritance. So let me read to you, for example, from Revelation chapter 7. We read there, Never again will they hunger. Talking about the people who are included in Christ. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's imagery, it's rich imagery. Because it's going to be so great, we couldn't appreciate it any other way. We don't have the words to capture it properly. Or in Isaiah chapter 25, talking about the future of our inheritance, it says, The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. It's rich in imagery because we needed to be, we, we, our, our imaginations are too limited by sin to fully grasp it. We don't have the words to properly grab and, and uh, contain the wonder of the glory the future inheritance that we have in Christ. We need God's help. We need God to enlighten the eyes of our heart that we might know the hope to which he's called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance. And you know what? On that day, on that final day, that final day will actually last forever and it will only be increasingly more joyful and wonderful. I love the imagery of C.S. Lewis in his novel, The Last Battle, When uh, they reach the inheritance and uh, they're all running towards the center. And it's always inward and upwards, I think, if I've got that right in my memory. And it just keeps on getting better and better and better. And you never reach the center. It just keeps on getting better and better. And everyone's crying inward and upward, inward and upward. It's imagery, but it's great. It's very helpful. On that day, God's plan will have reached its fulfillment. And all things will have been brought together under Christ. And you know what for us? us who are his elected adopted redeemed children that day that day will be the day on which we will be redeemed fully and finally that's how Paul expresses it in verse 14 can you see verse 14 he says he talks about the redemption of those who are God's possession and you say hang on we've already been redeemed haven't we? we talked about it a few weeks ago and yes we have We've been redeemed from our slavery to sin. We've been set free from our slavery to sin. But on that final day, our redemption will be full and complete. On that final day, our bodies will be redeemed. Our lowly bodies now will be transformed so they will be like Christ's glorious body. And we will be made fit to enter into the new creation, the home of righteousness. These bodies aren't good enough to do it. We need new resurrection bodies to inherit that new creation. And we'll be redeemed on that final day. And there we will live as the children of God, God's possession forever and full. You know what? For the Old Testament people, for the Old Testament people, their their inheritance was the land, the land of Canaan, the promised land. But that was always only a shadow of the great inheritance that Christ, the ultimate king, would bring. Because who wants that land now? Okay, it's it's potted with bomb holes and it's, it's a terrible place. It was always just a shadow of the inheritance to come, the new creation itself. And for those of us who are included in Christ, for those of us who have heard the word of truth and have believed it as the gospel of salvation, for those of us who have been marked with the seal of God's Holy Spirit, that new creation is our home. It's our hope. The Old Testament Israelites, they were redeemed out of Egypt and carried into the promised land. In Christ, we are redeemed out of sin and death and we are carried into life forever and full in the new creation forever. You want to know the place that you have in God's plan for everything? That's it. If you are included in Christ. It changes everything, doesn't it? Do. To grasp, you see, even something of the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. To grasp even something of that will shift the eyes of our heart from focusing on the here and now and longing instead for that future. A person, you see, who understands the riches of the glorious inheritance waiting for them in Christ would not be satisfied, could not be satisfied with anything that this world could offer. There's no way. You see, the way it works is we are tempted by riches and material gain and worldly acceptance and big houses and secure superannuation and sexual pleasure and career fulfillment. We're tempted by those things. We fall for temptation to those things only, only when we lower our gaze from the riches of the glorious inheritance that, that's waiting for us in Christ. That we That we miss it. We, We move our eyes from it. And we suddenly think, this stuff over here is great. But as soon as we cast our eyes back onto that, the eyes of our heart, these things are revealed truly to be, they might be good, but they're not great. And they're nothing compared to that. And these verses, okay, what they do is they lift our gaze once more. And they should allow us to see with renewed clarity the emptiness of what this world offers. Your job will never fulfil you. There's fulfilment. Those riches, they won't last. They'll only bring more worry. There is peace. There is contentment. The the lack of acceptance that drives you crazy now and causes you such loneliness and frustration, there'll be none of it there. Any sense of lack here and now needs to be felt in the the light mindful of then when Christ will lead us to springs of living water. Any sense of loss now needs to be felt mindful of then when God will wipe every tear from our eyes. Any sense of fear now needs to be felt in the light of then when the Lord will gather us to himself to enjoy life To the full forever. You know, like zooming in on Google Earth, like zooming in from the whole planet of Earth down to 91 Palmer Street. These verses allow us to zoom in on our place in God's great plan, and it ought to blow our minds. It ought to stagger us. And of course, what is most staggering of all, folks, is that it is all from God and none of it is deserved. As great as it is, you deserve none of it, and neither do I, and we have done absolutely nothing to earn it. It is all from God. It is all from his generosity, his grace. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't deserve it. But God chooses to give it out of grace and generosity. In the words of the apostle, it is all, it is all, it is all, to the praise of his glory, to properly count the blessing of these things, we must in the end praise only the glory of God see it there in verse 12 he says verse twelve, those saved from among the Jews they were saved for the praise of the glory of God verse fourteen, our redemption as God's possession it is all to the praise of of his glory. And so we do well okay to zoom in on God's great plan. We do well to zoom in to appreciate our place in it, but it's God's plan. It's God's plan. And our election, our adoption, our redemption, our inheritance, it's all due to God. We take no credit for it. He deserves all the honor for all of it. It is all according to the plan of God who in verse 11 works out everything in accordance with the purpose of his will. He is a mighty God. He is absolutely sovereign. He is absolutely gracious. And we belong to him because of his grace. And to belong to him, well, it's inexpressible joy, isn't it? And so we should declare his praises. Not just in here, but out there as well. We should talk him up. Tomorrow, we should be talking him up. God has called us to be his people, that we might declare his praises in here and out there most of all. And so we should. For even we, you see, have been included in Christ. Even we, you believe it. Through the word of truth, the gospel of, your, of salvation. If you've heard it, if you've, if you've believed it, Even you have been included in Christ. Even you have been marked with the seal of his Holy Spirit. Even you have a guaranteed inheritance, glorious and rich. Even you and even me. Brothers and sisters, make no mistake, this is fantastic stuff we've been thinking about. It couldn't be better stuff to have thought about the last few weeks than we've been thinking about. It is wonderful. But please, credit where credit's due. It's all to the praise of His glory. It's all to the praise of His glory. How about we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for your incredible generosity. We thank you, Father, that you take people who reject you, rebel against you, and you make it possible for even people like us to be your child, and you pour such blessing upon your children. Father, please help us to understand more clearly, more deeply, your grace and your sovereignty. And Father, may it be the deepest desire of our heart to praise your glory. And may we, Father, be people of praise who fearlessly and joyfully declare your praises even to our world. And Father, we thank you for our inheritance. Please, Father, open the eyes of our hearts and help us, Father, to appreciate the riches of our glorious inheritance in the saints and guard us from idols please help us to be satisfied with nothing other than all that you give us for anything else father is less it's in jesus name we pray amen well i hope it's